Hey Who fans and welcome to the Big Blue Box Podcast. My name's Gary. My name's Adam. And welcome to episode 354. Yeah. Welcome back to another episode and another week. Hope you're all keeping well and safe. Hope you had a cracking one. And that you've managed to do something Doctor Who... Doctor Who... Related. Related. <laughs> Related. 354 is upon us. We have a little bit of news to get through. Very cool bit of news. I love this one. Mm. Very, very, very muchly well, muchly deserved. <laughs> Indeed, this one. And then we're on to our review of some classic Who. Old Hartnell, bit of first Doctor mm. action. Hmm. <laughs> yes. yes. Mm. Oh, bless him. Yeah. yeah, we've got the rescue coming up. One of those cheeky little two-parters. All yes. good. Yes. You very rarely see them. Sort of uh, pre. What would you say? Pre. Somebody's era. Like you don't really see many two-parters in the early classic years. It's no, it's, it's, yeah, it's nice, isn't it? Mm. I'd, I'd forgotten it was two as well. I was thinking, right, got a bit of a classic Who this week. I better get the old DVD in, and then it, yeah, I'd, I'd just completely forgotten it was just a, a two part. Been a long time since I've watched this one, actually. Mm. Um, yeah, yeah, two parters. I always think of Davison, although I think actually, although I always think of Davison, I think he's only got a t- two. <laughs> I don't know why I associate two parts with him. It's like The Awakening and Black Orchid, and he might have another one. I'm not sure, but <laughs> Frontius is that a two parter or is that four? No, it's four. I think. Mm. Yeah, but uh, yeah, I mean, Edge of Destruction, that's the first Hartnell one. I can. That oh, is, is that a three part? That was two <laughs> I'm parts. I'm getting confused yeah. now. Yeah. Uh, yep, The Edge of Destruction, self titled, and then The Edge of uh, The Brink of Disaster, part yeah. two. Yep. <laughs> so, yeah, you don't really see many, many little, little two parters because um, uh, Adam, when Adam and I record and uh, we get to the end of it and we have a, a little. And we have a little sort of debrief at the end, like what went well in this week's mm. recording? What didn't? <laughs> and then we talk about the story that we're going to record next week and so on. And uh, it goes one of two ways. It's either like, oh, bloody hell, this is six parts. <laughs> mm-hmm. Even if it's a great story, it's like, oh, crikey, six parts. Uh, sort of half joking, you know, we love it. But um, And then when we get to uh, like modern Doctor Who, where it's just a single ep nine times out of ten, you know, 45 minutes or whatever. We're like, okay, cool. Yep, lovely. Have we done the war games? Because that's obviously a whopping tempar. I've got a feeling we have, haven't we? Uh, yeah, did, we have. Did we yeah. do the war games? We did, mate. Yeah, we did that quite a while back, actually. I thought we had, yeah. Yeah, we did that back for episode 100. So that would have wow, been... Wow, was it really? Hmm. Oh, sweet. Yeah, so I don't know what episode, what year that would have been in. So probably 2016, I'm guessing. Mm-hmm. yep here we go i got it i got it i got it the war games we both gave it a nine out of ten wowzers yeah yeah time flies eh one day Jeez. you're doing the war games the next minute you wake up and realize what life decisions you've made to bring you <laughs> to uh to doing a doctor who podcast in this fandom eh? it's difficult mm-hmm. difficult <laughs> <laughs> Right, what have you been up to, you old bugger? Anything, oh, Doctor actually, Who? 
Yes, I've actually done something Doctor Who related this week, and it was a cracking thing as well. So um, we took a trip down to Liverpool uh, for a couple of days. Liverpool. It's only the second time I've ever... Sorry? Liverpool. Liverpool. Yep. Uh, Lime Street and Liverpool. And um, yeah, it's only the second time I've ever been to Liverpool, and I, we, we just love it down there. We just have such a good time when we go. <clears throat> and um, obviously the new Doctor Who exhibition has just opened down there, The Worlds of Wonder, so my partner was thrilled when I mentioned that we'd have to be going to it uh, as we were going to Liverpool, because we, we weren't specifically going for that. Well, I was, but, you know, that wasn't why the original plan. And um, it's brilliant. It's, it, it's Honestly, it's so good. I wasn't sure what to expect because I've seen some photographs from it. So I knew that there was going to be props, you know, like a bit like the Doctor Experience. Like, I, I hoped it would have that sort of vibe. And it is exactly that. It's like a smaller version of the Doctor Experience. Um but there's still plenty in there. And, um, I mean, the Doctor experience, when you think back, I mean, we all miss it, but it, it was huge, you know. I mean, it, it, it couldn't possibly be on that scale again. Um, but it, it's a good science uh, exhibition. Um, it's well laid out. It, it, it looks brilliant. They've kept everything so nice and simple. So, so like, all the props and um, costumes for that are all on display on these nice lit up boards so you walk in through the TARDIS you immediately see the first Doctor's console in front of you then you walk round and there's like the K1 robot and K9 on the floor and the Scovox Blitzer then there's um, going to the next room and there's Omega you know and it just goes on and on there's Cassandra and she all lights up and talks you know the the, the last human Cassandra um, there's Ice Warriors and then they've got all the, the Cybermen heads all lined up together, showing all the different variations. And you just keep walking through and through and through. And so there's loads of costumes, loads of props, cabinets of sonic screwdrivers and confession dials. There's, there's just so much to see. And I spent a good two hours in there. I, I literally went round and round and round. And when we got to the end, we went round again because it's so easy to miss stuff because it's not just the props and everything. There is like a, a learning element to it, but there's also lots of fun, interactive things to do. Um, and me being like a big kid, I just wanted to go around and take a million pictures of all the props. So I was sort of missing all the sort of interactive things that you could do as you go around. Whereas my other half was like, hang on a minute, what's this? What's this screen? And I'm like, oh, I'll, I'll come back to that in a minute. I want to go and talk to Davros, you know, so over there <laughs> taking pictures of Davros. But there's lots of other things to actually do. So there's loads of little interactive panels that you can do stuff on. And there's a, a voice changer so you can make yourself sound like a Dalek. You know, you, you record something and it plays it out loud. There's information all over the wall about episodes, doctors, and uh, it all ties it into, you know, real science fiction. It's, it's just, honestly, there's so much to see and do. If you want to just take it in, you could spend ages in there. So it's a good size exhibition, not massive, not small, just a good size exhibition, but it's absolutely full of brilliant stuff. And it was just... Yeah, it just gave me that buzz of like, this is like being back in like a, a mini version of the Doctor Experience. I absolutely loved it, mate. Honestly, we had the best, best time. And they really made an effort, you know, I just, yeah, I, I took about a million photos, as you can imagine. There's like <laughs> a mural on the wall of Weeping Angels with the TARDIS as you go in. There's a Weeping Angel waiting for you at the ex at the door of the actual museum before you even get in the exhibition. Um, it's just loads, honestly. It's uh, what they've managed to cram into the sort of um, the, the the exhibition itself is 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 brilliant, actually. But just to see all the original props out again, all dusted down, looking <laughs> all clean and new, 
yeah, really, really good. Yeah, and I think you're going to go this weekend, aren't you? Yes, buddy. I'm going up to Liverpool love on it. Sunday. So, yeah, thank you for dropping the biggest spoiler for what? the event uh, just then. So now I'm not going to experience it fresh. Nice. You've just told me everything that's there. So... <laughs> No, I haven't. Believe Brilliant. me, I've only only scratched the surface. There's loads. <laughs> I'm joshing, of course. Yeah, I'm, it's going to be cool because it's the, one of those things where, because Adam and I are so, uh, I wouldn't say miffed off, but we miss the the Doctor Who experience in Cardiff lots. Mm-hmm. And yes. uh, I I think at the moment this is probably the closest we, we're going to get to it for a little while. So I'm not sure when it's moving. When we covered this story months ago, was it a thing where it's going to move around the country? I can't remember if that's the case or not, but I, I honestly don't know. Yeah, so I'm not sure how long it's going to be in Liverpool before it closes or moves to another location. So need to get on it and go and see it. Which we're going to do. It, it's definitely worth it. Um, it's I think the ticket was fourteen pounds. My my partner thought that was quite a lot. Um, I, I, it is a lot, but I think the problem is with everything nowadays is so expensive. We all know prices are going through the roof. I, I personally, I thought it was worth it. I mean, mm-hmm. £14, it is a lot. But I, yeah, I think there's enough in there to justify it. And as I said, I think you can go round and round it a couple of times and still see new things. And there's plenty of photo opportunities. Like, you know, you can stand in front of the TARDIS prop and all that sort of stuff. And it's got a little gift shop as you come out, of course, full of some of the oldest Doctor Who. <laughs> I don't know where they found some of this Doctor Who merch. Some of it is is, is obviously just been in a warehouse unsold for years. But there's some new bits in there as well. They've created some new merchandise for the for the exhibition. But there was like, um, oh, I don't know what they're called, like little die-cast models of Daleks that are in this orange packaging, which must be from like, what, early 2000? Mm-hmm. I don't know, mm-hmm. they're really old. Photo <laughs> uh, oh, cool. frames of Peter Capaldi and Jenna Coleman in, you know, that has obviously been kicking around for years. There's, there's lots of, yeah, stuff in there, but... Yeah, Sounds nice cool, little dude. shop. Yeah. Talking of Peter Capaldi. Oh yes. Yeah. There's um my wife is from East London. So we're back in London fairly regularly, I would say. We sort of split our time between sort of Wales and Cardiff area in London. And when we're in London, we always go to this cafe uh in Bethnal Green called Peliches, which is like a famous cafe. If anyone's seen any of the Cray films and stuff, it's always in there and it's they would they normally get some celebs in there. Anyway, Mr. Capaldi was there yesterday really? or the day before. Yeah. On their Instagram feed. There was a, he had his shades on, looking very cool in the corner. <laughs> Sonic shades. Yeah, <laughs> Sonic Oh God. Mm. Yeah, the old Sonic shades. And um yeah, I I I didn't see it myself, but my wife uh, immediately sent it over to me and said, Look who's at Peliches. It's like, oh, we should have been there. Should have been in London that weekend. Would have oh, stole man. those. Would have stole them shades. Ran <laughs> off down the street. You don't need them. But it was quite cool. That it's always lovely to see. Uh, always he lovely to see our doctors time. out. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Doctor of Capaldi. Then the twelfth Doctor. Have you seen that? Uh, this might be corrected. We don't know. But the new Doctor Who calendar <laughs> is <laughs> missing a, a certain Doctor, a Mister Capaldi. Which um, right. so this is obviously. For next year, the calendar's coming out already. I, I can't believe they're already releasing it. But so he's on the front. There's a tiny little picture of the twelfth doctor the front, but he, he doesn't have a page inside. He's been completely missed out somehow. Uh-huh. I mean, I know there's a lot of doctors to cram in. I, I get that they might be struggling, but you can't just say, "Oh, 
don't worry about 12. No one, you know, he hasn't got any fans. We'll forget about him because he he has got a lot of fans and we're not very happy about it. So <laughs> I hope they correct that because... Um, well, yeah, of course. Yeah. You can't have a 12 month... You can't have an official Doctor Calendar missing out one Doctor. That's just Of course not. Wrong. No, that's ridiculous. Yeah. I don't get why they don't just do like what they did a couple of years back, a, a calendar with the classic Doctors and a calendar with the from you know the newer doctors you could have mm. it up to McGann in one calendar then they haven't got to worry and then do all the other ones because they're trying to cram in everything now i mean it's got mm-hmm. like you know the war doctor obviously you've got the roof doctor um it's just yeah it's just getting very crowded i mean the cover just looks so messy as well it's just too many doctors you know for god's so. sake i mean they'll have the morbius doctors on there soon the morbius <laughs> doctors calendar i mean for goodness sake yeah Interns, mate, running the running the uh, interns, the yes. asylum. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. We need to cut some some content out of here. Who do we who do we cut? Just pick someone. All right then. You watch the show, don't you? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Looks over at their colleague, shakes their head. No, I don't watch it. Who can we cut? Oh, this old dude looks all right. <laughs> this old dude. Yes. Let's get rid of him. Come on. Come on, come on! You're better than this. Come on. Well, someone did say um, that may, it, it could be. I mean, we assume it's just you know the, them that have left him out. It could be Capaldi has not approved his image. I mean, that's a, you know it's not down apparently to him. He's a, it's not down to him. No. Nope. Nope. So when you're, uh, please don't quote me on this. I'm no expert, but I'm 99 percent sure that when you sign your contract to star in, insert name of tv or film here mm. the studio or the production company has the right to use your on-screen likeness of your character in anything so even if he hated the image they've used you know there's nothing you can do uh, okay yeah you might be right there because i think i remember eccleston moaning about that at some point eccleston, eccleston moaning, moaning surely not <laughs> yeah i'm sure i've heard him banging on about <laughs> his image being used for <laughs> something All sorts, he didn't want yeah. yeah yeah a toothpaste holder or something oh they've used mm-hmm. my bed. um but um yeah you could be right i remember though billy piper um giving her approval to one of the big chief figures and they, they apparently sent her three heads to use they said oh, which one of these will you approve and she approved the one that looked absolutely nothing like her <laughs> and it was a dreadful figure sorry to anyone who's got it because i know it sold well but to me mm-hmm. it looked absolutely nothing like Rose, but she—that's the head she approved, apparently. So I don't know. Maybe certain things they ever say, but I think you're right with calendars and photos and images and stuff. It's probably a yeah. Well, anything, mate. Yeah, it probably wouldn't have been a case of we need you to say yes or no to put this figure out. It was mm. probably more of a we're basing this on your own face. So which one do you think, based on your character, is the most accurate? And also Very with the calendar, they're, they're using the same images they've used, I think, for the last two, um, but they've just put them in different colours with mm. a different backdrop. So it's, it's it's almost the same image as before, from what I can tell anyway. But yeah, who buddy. knows? Hope, yep. who've, hopefully it'll appear in it, but we don't know. Yeah, yeah. That's why you when see... When you see uh, him in the calf, ask him. <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> Hi, Pete. What do you reckon to uh, <laughs> this calendar business? Shocking. Yeah. Shocking, yeah. Isn't it? yeah, but that's why you see a lot, a lot of recycled doctor poses on things like big finish covers and mm. calendars and that kind of thing because there's only a finite amount of images in the in the pool of images that they can use. You know, 
And that for that very reason, they can't just go out and grab a recent image of one of the actors because that's outside of their contracts. They can only use all of the assets that were created while they were under contract yeah. within that role, if you know what I mean. So that's why you see a lot of recycled stuff. But there was one big finished cover that was awesome, though. Um, I can't remember the name of the story, but it was a it was a Tom Baker and a David Tennant story. And it was really cool because the artist, I'm going to say... It wasn't. Um, it wasn't our. It wasn't the main man, uh, Lee Binding. It was somebody else. Um, Ryan L. Applin. Uh, no, it's Anthony Holub, I think. Anthony oh, yeah. Holub, I think. And uh, he had basically taken Peter Capaldi's body from one shot, taken the arm off of his body from another shot, the scarf of Tom Baker from a random photo shoot. Tom Baker's. You know, it was very, very well done. So mm. you can get around it by creating new poses out of other other things, but. Yeah, for the main, it's uh, you can always spot it as well. You can always spot those, like for you know people like you and I and and another Doctor Who fans, you can see it a mile off. Like, oh, I've seen that before. I've mm-hmm. seen that one, but yeah, bit like the old Doctor Who annual. I don't know which year it is, nineteen seventy four, I think, or something like that. They've got like Tom Baker's upper body, but they've used John Pertwee's hands. <laughs> it's just oh it's, yeah, it's yeah. John Pertwee's hands, but Tom Baker's body. <laughs> So even back even then they were doing it. Yeah, it is a struggle though. As a designer myself, I completely agree. So, you know, if you haven't got great assets to work with in in the first place, it's a bit of a challenge to to do that and keep it fresh and new. You know, because Doctor Who slow shows no signs of slowing down. So every year you have to work up, you know, new designs and and artwork and stuff. It's tough. It's a tough old game. I just yeah. had a thought as well. Imagine the calendar designers and they're like. Right, so for, for the next year, don't worry about this year's. We've sorted that. We've, we've dumped Peter. Don't worry about it. For next year's, we've got to fit in Shooty, the new Doctor, and uh, we've also got to fit in uh, this this David Tennant variant as well, because uh, that's a different Doctor. Uh, we've also got to fit in, <laughs> just imagine like putting their hair out. How are we going to We've only got 12 pages. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's it. What do you do? 12 months? Yeah. 12. Well, you're gonna have to, I think they're going to have to start doubling up soon. They're probably yeah, going to have to. Just put two on a page. It's not difficult. I don't yeah, know why exactly. they have to struggle with it. Yeah. I mean, that would open up a whole new, cool way of doing it. Just group random doctors together. That would be cool. Yeah. Yeah. There we are. So, I haven't done anything Doctor Who related, buddy, by the way. Cool. Okay. Well, next one. week we'll have yeah. we'll be able to talk about the, the exhibition, won't we? When you've done it, we'll be able to make, confer. Um, one compare I've notes. Seen now. Compare notes, yeah, and see what you think of it, yeah. Yeah, yeah. See if you think it's worth the fourteen pounds, or if you like me, have a half saying fourteen pounds, lot of money, lot of money, isn't it? And going fourteen pounds, but you might think like, well, or you might be like me, say, "Ah, oh, it's blimmin' brilliant! I want to go round again." <laughs> well, if you get value out of enjoying that stuff, then that fourteen pounds is worth it. I tell you what, mate. There's a uh, just quickly before we move on to the news. There's a there's a, a, a little museum in Milton Keynes. Uh, oh yeah, I know. Yeah, I've not been there, but I know it. The, the sci-fi. I think it's called yeah. actually the National Sci-Fi Museum. I've been wanting working. to go for ages. Yeah. Yeah. And I was talking to somebody. Where was I talking to somebody? Can't remember. And tickets are twelve quid for that. Mm-hmm. And they said <clears throat> I wouldn't pay a pound <gasps> to go and to go and <laughs> look around. What? I was like, wow. Okay, is it that bad? Oh. He's like, it's tiny. He said they've got oh. like a few little random bits in cabinets. They've got a couple of costumes knocking around, a newspaper cutting of something and something else. He said, mate, I, w- I was round that museum in about four and a half minutes. Oh, my gosh. Like, oh, he said they, they are. When I was there, I said, 
have I missed something? Is there like another area I've missed or something like that? No, no, that's it. And he was like, oh, okay, well, that was that. So apparently they are adding to it. They're like adding new stuff and everything. But yeah, uh-huh. not that well, great. I'm glad you told me that because I've been wanting to go for a while. It's a bit of a drive as well for me. It's about a good hour and a half, I reckon, to get there. And I, yeah, the photos I'd seen look pretty good. I think they'd got like a Blake 7 gun or something. <laughs> I was have, like, oh, yes. Blake Seven. Yep. Um, so yeah, I was thinking of going there. I've been on about that for a while, but oh, I might not bother then. Yeah, something to do if you're in Mills and Keynes already, and you know, got half yeah, a day. Yeah, I see. Yeah, or four Mind and a half Why would you be in yeah. Milton Keynes? But yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, true. Anyone from Milton Keynes listening? Love you. I actually, I do have a, I do have a, a I genuinely do have a liking for Milton Keynes. Uh, it's sort of one of a guilty pleasure of places. Um, because yeah, you know, yeah, Superman right. was filmed. Was it Superman Four? Superman Four was filmed there because they, hadn't, they had no money to film yeah. in America, so they turned they turned uh, Milton Keynes into New York. <laughs> that's <laughs> get, correct. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I'll stick a couple of fire hydrants down. <laughs> that that's that's all we need. Yeah. You know, uh, so there's that. Um, and also, yeah. arguably more famously, uh, Cliff Richard shot one of his music videos in the Wired MK Center. Wired for sound. Yeah. Wired for sound oh, on the old yeah, roller skates. Got those big old um, aviator glasses on, hasn't he? That's it. Uh, roller skating through Milton Keynes Shopping Center. Yeah, how random is that? Yeah, love so it. So I got a bit of a uh, bit of love for Milton Keynes in a, in a way, but yeah. <laughs> right, we're waffling. Let's crack yeah. on. So before we get onto the news and then onto our review, remember, of course, as always. It's great having you back here listening to Doctor Who. If you're one of the long-time listeners, the old Grizzled Ancients, then welcome back. If you're new to the show, then welcome aboard. It's awesome to have you all here. But make sure that you are following and subscribing to this podcast in your preferred podcast app of choice or head over to bigblueboxpodcast.co.uk forward slash listen. That'll pop you over to all the networks and etc. Love to have you following the show. We put a new episode out every Friday and you can also listen to these episodes on the website. We list them all there. Plus you can read all of the cool articles from our writing team. There's a few that went up there recently. So Jordan put up a review of the, so Jordan goes through and reviews all of those old um, you know, the, the Virgin New Adventures books that were out years ago. He uh, reviews those. They're very cool. So his latest one is for uh, St. Anthony's Fire and Falls the Shadow. So check that out. And then um, all of this chat around sci-fi museums and so on. Our main man, Harry, was up in Allendale recently and checked out the Museum of Classic Sci-Fi, which is very cool. Lots of very cool Doctor Who props there and everything so check out harry's review there and uh also we recently did our round table for the month so may's round table for last month go and check that out uh talking about all new era doctor who stuff we're on the socials too instagram twitter and facebook links are on the website we chat doctor who throughout the week and we have a free discord server jump in there and chat doctor who with other who fans and lastly don't forget to remember to check out Adam's channel over on YouTube. It is, of course, the Geek's Handbag. Geek's Handbag, yes. I did I did do lots of filming at the Doctor Exhibition, so I might do a video on it. If I, I'm not sure if I'm allowed. Because it, it does say on the website you're allowed to film in there. Well, good then. But it does say for personal use only. So does that mean you can't upload it to YouTube? I don't know. Oh, um personal use only i think it says i need to check that yeah because i've done some great video in there but i don't know if i'm allowed to use it uh, i don't know if i'm allowed to publish it i mean uh why don't you uh go ahead uh and then and it'll just see if it gets taken down go ahead without permission <laughs> and then ask for forgiveness after that's always a good it's always a <laughs> yeah, good way good to idea. look at life yep i was gonna say we need somebody to, uh, to do a report of it 
Um, I mean, I'm not going to do it because I can't be bothered. I, I'm not a writer. <laughs> so those, our writing team do a fantastic job, but I'm not going to try and jump in on that because I haven't got the energy for it. But um, oh, yeah, Jesus. for Maria or yourself, fancy doing a report on it, we, we definitely need someone to do it. Well, I'll do it then. How about that? Yeah? Seeing yeah, as you're you not do, it, do it. Yeah. All right then. No, I'm not going to do it. No, no why, would you? why would you? Well, I can't even read my notes for t- for, <laughs> for today's episode, let alone anything else. That's <laughs> my true. writing is terrible. Yeah, You wouldn't be using a pen and paper, though, would you? You'd be using a computer and a, and a keyboard. <laughs> You're not like old school like me. Actually, I probably would. No, I wouldn't. Would yeah, you? I'd use a keyboard. And, yeah, yeah, you would. Yeah. You wouldn't be using a notepad. You'd be able to read your notes. <laughs> no, I rarely write my notepad. It's terrible. Because of that reason, my writing's bad these days. But anyway, right, so let's just... Oh, God, look at that. All I'm, I'm showing Gary is, my notepad that is terrible. My writing's awful. I, every time <laughs> I record, I stare at it thinking, what have I, what have I written? You can't I see well that, bother. obviously, no. listener, but Adam's just showed me uh, just a series of wavy lines, essentially. <laughs> <laughs> let's land the TARDIS, do some news. Oh, you've got the news. Rosie Lambert has had her blue plaque unveiling happen recently, which is very, very cool. Normally these days on the big blue box PCAST, we normally pick out some news that is worthy of updating you guys on what's happening in the world of Doctor Who. So we're a bit more choosy and picky about that stuff now because we went through uh, many years of just reporting on absolutely everything and uh, for two reasons we stopped that one uh you're probably just bored like come on we want to get to review yeah yeah yeah. and the other thing is you guys have probably seen most of it anyway but this one's very cool so verity lambert one of the ogs from the uh obviously getting Loxy up and running without verity there is no doctor who so we have to mm-hmm. report on anything to do with her so uh the blue heritage plaque uh dedicated to verity lambert uh was uh rededicated at a ceremony at riverside studios which is very cool so um uh, it was uh, the event uh was uh was very cool it looks like they had some some good people there from the old days and uh, it was unveiled by uh former showrunner Stephen moffat and the program's first director uh waris hussein which is very cool uh, and that was on sunday the 29th of may so not that long ago just a couple of weeks ago in fact and uh, so the it was organized by the dwas the doctor appreciation society and uh, many of uh, Verity's friends and colleagues and stuff were all there. We had Caroline Ford, we had Linda Laplan, uh, Larry Lamb, uh, Caroline Quentin, and Michael Grade. Loads of very cool people there. And uh, <laughs> yeah, and they did a bit of a Q and A as well. And it all looks rather nice. So uh, it was first shown actually back in 2014, but then was put in storage uh, as they were redeveloping that whole studio complex and mm. doing a bunch of work at Riverside. So now it's back out, back on the wall. It looks very, very cool. So, um, and I think they're gonna, yeah, they're gonna, they're gonna do a limited number of reproductions, uh, slightly smaller plaques that you can buy from the Dwas. So, if I can find that link anywhere, I'll put it in the show notes. But a cool little event, dude. It is cool, isn't it? Yeah, it's a nice, nice thing to have, and um, yeah, obviously very appropriate uh, being at Riverside. Um, yeah, I'd like to get down there to have a look at it, actually because what they they sort of redeveloped it a bit down there, and it's it's. Um, it's a nice part of London, that there by Hammersmith Bridge. That's where the Dalek come out as well. So you can get that mm. da- uh, dot two location ticked off. But yeah, it's, it's really cool. I think it's great to to, to honour Verity in this way. And um, 
a nice group of people there for that event as well. I mean, great to see the mothball back. Uh, it. He looks like he's yeah. having a good time there. There's a, photo, there's a couple of photographs on uh, I'm looking at from the event here. Uh, Patricia Quinn's there as well. Uh, Karen, nice to see Karen Ann Ford um, there as well. And uh, she's looking quite well, I think. Mm. Michael Grade, what's he doing there? <laughs> Goodness me. But uh, Warris Hussein as well. Yeah, so yeah, it looks like a great little event and uh, a lovely um, tribute to to Verity a very important person not just in Doctor Who but in television itself so yeah it's great isn't it it's I want to cool. go down there and have a look at that plaque and there's a Dalek there as well so you can pop down and see a Dalek in the window if you want to yeah it wasn't Dalek Tat he was too no we don't to know what up. happened to Dalek Tat no, no we don't know he'd be too grumpy anyway <laughs> to go to something like that uh, two things though uh, first of all uh, we need to see Caroline Ford back for the 60th I think absolutely that's, that's a must yes. she is looking amazing Mm. she really is so we need her back for the 60th and just uh, when you mentioned Stephen Moffat it just prompted me something very funny I was browsing through uh, TV the other day looking for something to watch and uh, I didn't read the title funny enough I was just skimming through and then I just saw the words uh, headed up by former Doctor Who showrunner didn't say who it was and I thought okay let's have a look it's the time traveler's wife can you believe oh, it? Oh, yeah. That's, what, he wrote, what, he produced Stephen Moffat, yeah. He wrote the screenplay and executive oh, produced yeah. it and done all that stuff. And I was thinking, for sake, Stephen, <laughs> come on. Like him and his agent are going through all the scripts and ideas and projects that are coming through. What do you want to work on? Do you want to branch out a little bit, you know, investigate some other, you know, genres? Oh, of course you don't. There's this one on here about time travel. Just effing go and do that, <laughs> will you? What is it? he's working on something at the moment with uh, Mark Gatiss? So what what is it? Uh, I don't know. I thought it was you that told me. Maybe it wasn't then. He's working on something. I've forgotten what it is, but it's something I like, and they're doing a remake of it. And I can't remember what it is. I thought it was you that told me. No, I don't know. It, but it's again, it's in the same sort of because um, it's something I like, but I can't think what it is. It's in the same sort of vein of science fiction. I think Frankenstein's monster. No, they've done that. Have they done that? Have they? Have they? Uh, oh no, they did one? Dracula, didn't they? They, they did Dracula. Dracula. Now doing Frankenstein. Is it like Flash Gordon or something like that? I can't remember now. <laughs> but anyway, they are working on <laughs> so. But again, it's it's the sort of thing, same sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Old moth bag. Old moth ball. Yeah. Well, he's got to keep himself busy, and he got to keep himself out of trouble. Oh yeah, of course. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, hold on. Uh, yeah i don't know mate There's, i think they're working on a couple of things all oh, right okay yeah but uh we'll talk about that next week we'll find it <laughs> verity lambert heritage plaque unveiled back on the wall beautiful right dude review time what we got yeah time to drift back to the swinging 60s for a bit of hartnell doctor who and this one's called the rescue planet dido to rescue ship planet dido to rescue ship come in please over. Watch out for Kukulian. Yes, sir. 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 It's all going off. It's all kicking off there. Hey. Yeah. 
Hey, well, so, as we mentioned earlier, nice little two-part of this one from Series 2, from back in the day, and it was first broadcast, First, uh, the first part was the 2nd of January, 1965, and then a week later, on the 9th of January, we had the follow-up, and it was written by David Whittaker, directed by Christopher Barry, stars William Hartnell, William Russell, Jacqueline Hill, and Maureen O'Brien, O'Brien as Vicky, and then uh, just a few other people. Knocking around, a very short summary slash synopsis for this one. The Doctor, Ian and Barbara arrive on the planet Dido. They find a crashed spaceship, the only two survivors of which are terrorised by the monster Coquillian. But who is Coquillian? Question mark. So, dude, a randomly interjected little story in the midst of uh, of Hartnell doing his thing for the first couple of years. What do you reckon to this one? I, I really like this one. I think there's a, a lot to love in this little two-parter. I mean, it, it's, it doesn't have enough story to be anything more than a two-parter, so I think it's perfect being two parts. And really, it's just designed to introduce Vicky, isn't it? It's just a little story to introduce the new companion. And uh, and I think it does it well. I, I, I just, yeah, I just thought it was a nice, simple story. I thought Hartnell was great in it. I love Hartnell in this one. He's absolutely on fire. There's, I think there's two, maybe three moments where he completely loses uh, the script. And you can see the actors are just staring at him, waiting for him to find his place. And it, but I think it just works. It just, they kind of all work together. You can see the actors sort of helping him along. I think there's a bit where Ian sort of feeds him a line so he can pick back up where he was supposed to be. It's a, so although there are a couple of moments where he just loses track completely of what he's supposed to be saying, I think his performance is wonderful. He, he's just joyous in this. He just looks like he's having a ball. And, and when he has to be serious, when he goes in that cave and he's like, you're insane. And he really says the line with, you know, venomous conviction. Um, I just think Hartnell's brilliant in this one. And I think it's a nice introduction for Vicky. I, I think she's instantly likable. Um, I, you know, I, when she joins the TARDIS team, I feel like, yes, I want her to become part of the team. I, I like the character already. Um I, I love the little twist. Uh, spoilers, listeners, if you haven't seen this one, I love the twist that Bennett is Coquillian. I mm-hmm. personally didn't see that coming. I don't know if you did. I bet you did, but <laughs> I didn't see that coming. I thought it was a great little twist. Um, I love the scene at the end with the foreboding room where the Doctor confronts him. I, I think there's a lot to love in this. Um, and yeah, I'll dive into it more afterwards. But overall... It's just a nice little two-part. It's not like the best story. It's n- nothing amazing. It's just a nice little easygoing story to introduce Vicky as a companion. And it's, it could be classed as filler because of that. But I think if it is filler, it's enjoyable filler. So, I, I yeah, I like this one a lot. Good. Yeah, good. I've only seen this the once, dude, when I was doing a classic watch through many moons ago. And I haven't been back and revisited since. But yeah. I'm a, I agree with you, mate. There's a lot to like in this in this story because because it's only two parts. There's no time to pad out everything. And mm. if this was a four parter, ninety nine percent sure we would have said something like it starts very good. But then, <laughs> as yeah, you get, we would have been. It yeah, would have been. Yeah, you know the drill. So, but yeah. no, it just because it's two parts, it's uh, the story just moves along at a, a steady pace from start to finish. It's very good. And there's some brilliant things in it. And just to hit you with some knowledge on this one, this was the first 
episode or the first story that broke Doctor Who into the top 10 most watched programs on TV for that week. Oh, wow. So something that Doctor Who had not managed to kind of uh, get into before that, Um, Mm. obviously until they brought it back in 2005. But having said that, it does remain one of the one of the program's highest charting episodes, um, even taking into account the more modern Doctor Who stuff. So episode wow. one, 12 million viewers. Wow. Episode two jumps up 13 and a bit million viewers f- just for this random two-parter. Mm. So it's a really important story for that reason alone. It's the one that sort of springboarded Doctor Who into sort of regular high viewing figures. Um, before that so I think prior to this it was it was viewed very much as a tiny little niche program at the time if that makes sense Mm. it was a you had it was a an acquired taste I guess if you like Uh, outside of um like hardcore sort of science fiction fans I guess at the time Uh, sort of Joe public I mean just watching everyday stuff on tv may not have dived into Doctor Who because it wasn't it just wasn't there um, you know, mainstream enough. Whereas this one just throws Doctor Who right into the into the top ten, and yeah, it's it's amazing. So for that reason alone, it's cool. And um, yeah, the 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 introduction of Vicky is very cool. She's um she's got a lot of spark about her. She's very yeah. She's got a good balance as well. She's got this sort of um uh up for it. You know, very involved attitude, but at the same time, she's you can tell that what's happened to her since they crash landed on Dido Mm. she's bruised a little bit mentally she's a bit worn down and a little bit because that's why she takes it out on Barbara on Barbara you know when Barbara kills her little pet doggy oh yeah you know Sandy poor Sandy oh Sandy shot to bits yeah yeah blown to yeah and uh so that she she gets upset with Barbara and stuff and it's very sweet the way the doctor sort of takes her off for a little talk and he's like oh you mustn't be angry I love that you know yeah. she was just looking out for you she thought you were in danger sort of thing and she's like yeah you're right yeah thank you doctor you know some beautiful little moments in this one isn't mm. there some lovely mm. yeah well, Hartnell's amazing in it he's funny he's it's a bit of a he gets messy you know he dishes out a couple of slaps here and there and he gets stuck in yeah. he? he always does yeah and it's just lovely he, mate it's it's one of those classic stories where you don't have to think too hard you don't you're not bored you're not having to think what the bloody hell's going on and you're not thinking oh god hurry up and finish it's just a lovely little very cool and also outside of doctor who just a very cool little science fiction story you know just good old good old-fashioned crash landed on a planet at, f- at face value, you think Coquillian is one of the inhabitants that's you know keeping them slaves almost. And then the twist, as you said, we get the little story unfold at the end. See, it's very cool, mate. Yeah, I really liked watching it. Very cool. I just wanted to say, it might probably make you laugh because you know Hartnell. Uh, I've heard in a couple of behind the scenes documentaries, you know, if ever he had a fight scene or he had to whack someone with a stick or a chair or whatever, you know, apparently Hartnell used to really get stuck in. He used to love all that. And the other actors, they used to say to the other actors, now, just to warn you, 
Bill probably will actually hit you. He, he does actually get into it a bit too much. So you could just you can see it when he's like hit, hitting him with a stick. Hartnell's really going for it, isn't he? So the because the, the, the guy who played Quillian said, "Oh, I loved it." He said, "I could tell Bill was really into it, and I I gave him as good as he got, so we had a good old scrap on set, you know." Um, but yeah, I just think that's so funny. Just seeing Hartnell just launching it and bashing doors down and uh, getting into a ruckus. I thought it was funny. But you're right. The other scenes where he's like. Uh, playing the gentle side of the first doctor, which you know, when when people think of the first doctor, they think of him as being very abrasive and harsh and grumpy. We, we you know, there is uh, such a beautiful side to the first doctor that comes out a lot more than we sort of often think. Uh, you know, a lot more than we remember. And uh, the scene with Vicky as well was charming, isn't it? Where he's like, no, you know, now come on, and he because he's just lost Susan, I think he instantly sort of warms to Vicky doesn't he and, and tries to sort of help her and, and he sort of put, takes her under his wing doesn't he I think um, and that's a really nice natural progression because they mentioned Susan at the start there's another really lovely scene at the start where the doctor's asleep and the TARDIS has landed and they're like come on wake up he's like oh and there's that and he <laughs> accidentally mentions calls out for Susan and then he stops and remembers she's not there anymore and so Ian and Barbara then go out and have a quiet little chat with themselves just saying, well, you know, it's only natural he would still be thinking about her because, you know, his, and all this sort of thing. I think, yeah, it's lovely that they've still picked up on that. And and then we introduce Vicky and he takes Vicky under his wing because he's just lost Susan. And she's not, at this in this story anyway, she's not just a carbon copy of Susan. I mean, Vicky does feel like a, a different character, completely different character. I think as we go on, I think Maureen O'Brien perhaps got a bit... Um, you know, she wasn't totally happy because she became a, a bit of a screaming companion like Susan became. I don't know if they gave her enough to do to satisfy Maureen O'Brien, which is, uh, yeah, which is a shame. But I think in this story, you can see, like you said, great spark there mm. um, and an interesting character and instantly likable. You know, I just really warmed to her straight away. Uh, I thought, you know, she's a good character. And Maureen O'Brien talks very fondly a, a, about William Hartnell as well and I always like that because I know there are some actors that didn't get on with William Hartnell or certainly actors that William Hartnell didn't get on with that don't talk very fondly about him um, but Maureen O'Brien she's got a very no-nonsense way about her you know she says what she means and that's just how she is and she said she just clicked with Hartnell because he got that you know she was very straight talking and he was very straight talking and then he would have about three blow-ups a day apparently and she would be the one to sort of bring him out of it and she said you know she got on very well with him you just had to get to know him and you knew, had to know how to deal with him and so I love I always like it when you get somebody who works closely with William, Hart William Hartnell that talks mm. positively about him because not everyone does and like anybody you know there are two sides to every person that's good and bad so it's it's always nice to hear the good side of Hartnell there which you know Maureen often talks about in interviews and so does Peter Purvis. I think Peter Purvis is a, another one that got on very well with him. Yeah. yeah. No, I get that, dude. Yeah. And there's um, yeah. there's a few little behind the scenes nuggets of um, things like that. So they wanted her to dye her hair black so that yes. she resembled Susan a bit more. And she refused. And she's like, why would you do that? She's you like, know? why don't you just get Carol Ann back if you want to do that? She, that's what I mean. She's yeah. very sort of straight talking. Yeah. That's cool, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. And that kind of comes out in her performance as well. Like those scenes where they're at their little hut thing, wherever they live in. And uh, when she's having a conversation with the doctor and 
and Barbara when she blows up at Barbara a little bit and you know, that kind of thing. You can see that that strength is coming out when she's talking to um talking to people. And even when she's talking to um uh to Coquillian a couple of times, you can see that she rises up a little bit, she's ready to yeah. you know, but then you know, she remembers actually, yeah, probably don't want to be don't want to be killed like uh, all the other one because that's the cool thing about the story is that Bennett has manipulated the whole thing for so it's a bit of a spoiler but if anyone that's not seen this one um the ship crash lands and um Bennett has killed the pilot so in order to cover up um his story he basically uh sets off a bomb that kills off all the what he thinks kills off all the locals all the Didodians Didoans and um you know fakes being ill and everything like that waits you know they've been patiently waiting for this rescue ship hence the title the rescue and then when the ship gets here he's been keeping vicky alive so that she can corroborate his story then he goes back you know and everything's fine so the way that he manipulates things um as both bennett and as coquillian you can see that she's slowly starting to rebel but then it gets to a certain point where she realizes oh crap yeah I don't want to meet the same fate as everyone else. And she sort of backs off a little bit. Mm. And that's what's great about it. It's um, it's the Doctor and, and Ian and Barbara who have sort of liberated her out of that situation, which is lovely. So, But you can see that she's very strong in her performance as well as as a person, you know, you know, working on the show. So I think she's a cool companion, dude. She's very cool. Yeah, her performance is good, isn't it? Because she's mm. a very, um, at this point, uh, I think they say in documentary, this is perhaps one of the first TV uh, work she got and she, she does seem like a good actress um you know her performance is is very good you know and i say that as in you know back in sort of 60s doctor who sometimes the actors just didn't get it or they didn't always deliver the most uh natural performance should we say they could often be over the top or just not very convincing and i think with maureen o'brien she instantly seems uh at ease in the, in the doctor who world and she just seems to deliver a very um I wouldn't say realistic because you know it's science fiction, but she she delivers a good performance. Uh, her acting is actually really good in it. When in everything she has to do, she has a lot of emotions to go through in this story, and uh, and she she just yeah she just fits in almost straight away. I think yeah you instantly sort of like her. Uh, I just wanted to ask you did did you guess the the twist by the way when you first watched it? Did you, mm. Were you surprised when he revealed himself as Coquillian, or were you like yeah I saw that coming a mile off? No, I. I didn't see it a mile off, but I had a I had a little suspicion. Oh, okay, right, yeah, yeah. Just because it wasn't on the nose too much, um, because with certain scenes, um, he does play that very well. So Ray uh, Ray Barrett plays that sort of very grumpy, moody, you know, injured yeah. sort of person really well, and um, so you think to yourself, oh, okay, he's probably, you know, there is something genuinely wrong with him. It seems, but then there was a few things that gave him away. So when Coquillian knocks on his door and you don't see him answer the door, you just hear him. I thought, oh yeah. And then you never see them together throughout the whole story uh, mm. until, you know, the reveal at the end. And so, yeah, I had a, a sneaky little suspicion, but I, I wasn't about to put my, my house on it. <laughs> if that makes yeah. sense. Yeah. <laughs> I guess you, you mentioned earlier, you didn't know you didn't see it. No, no, yeah. I didn't. I didn't guess actually. It does seem, I suppose when the reveal comes, it does seem obvious. You think, oh right, yeah, okay, of course. <laughs> but I, I didn't see it coming. No, it's quite a nice little, little twist. I thought, and I, I like the design of Coquillian as well. I think for a sixties Doctor Who in brackets monster, I think it's a really good design. It's, it's the headpiece looks quite complicated, and the rest of the body is quite simple. But I would think if I was a kid 
back in 19... Is this 64? What year are we now? Yeah. 65, is it? I reckon if I was a kid watching this in 1965, I would have been quite impressed by that as a monster. Mm. And I think, although we would probably laugh at it now, the beast and the, and, and the sand beast as well, although we probably would laugh at those, I think at the time, again, when you saw that thing lurking in a cave, if you were like a seven or eight-year-old watching Dot 2 back then, you, you'd probably be quite freaked out by it. You know, it's quite good for the time, <laughs> I think, the costumes. But yeah, I, I love the design of Coquillian. I think he's, he's, he's a cool-looking uh, Dot 2 monster. He is kind of cool, isn't he? And yeah, I imagine that interesting. I imagine that kids back in the sixties watching this would have crapped their pants because I think so. I would have loved it as a kid if I was watching this back then. I'd have been like, I'd, I'd have absolutely loved it. Yeah, yeah. yeah so back then there was, you know, kids weren't so desensitized to stuff because things were still quite, uh, you know, most of, most things were practical effects mm. and makeup and stuff. That we had, of course, there were no. I guess there was in a very rough, basic way, but there wasn't certainly Doctor Who couldn't afford it, you know, any sort of special effects or anything. So this was a real thing that, like, you know, when we first see it, uh, when it um, meets uh, Ian and Barbara, uh, that's quite that's quite terrifying because it's mm. not... It's just lurking by the target, isn't it? The exactly, zoom out yeah. Shot. It's just yeah. lurking. And, yeah, so what did you think to, um, to Ray Barrett's performance then as both um, uh, Bennett and Coquillian? Because... I think he he mentioned if you watch any of the behind the scenes on the old original DVDs for these, he mentions that um, he didn't want to ham it up at all. He really wanted to play it as straight as possible as Bennett, mm. so that when the reveal did come, it wasn't like a, oh yeah, we've seen him act a certain way as Coquillian. Yeah. So he tried to play it really, really straight, as if almost as if no acting, really. Just a, you know, I'm just a guy that's laying on the bed and has a bit of a grump now and then, but. He was kind of cool, I thought, especially the end when he has that fight with the Doctor. That was cool. Yeah, I think he... Um, but Well, because I didn't guess, I think he he did a good job there. I think, yeah, the voice, he does try and talk differently. It's Coquillian, obviously, to try and mask it. So as Bennett, he's a very sort of grumpy, you know, quite a deep voice with Coquillian, he's trying to sort of put on a bit of a voice. And it, it was enough to fool me. I didn't, as I said, I didn't guess. Uh, so, yeah, I think he did a good job. I, I, I thought mm. he was... Um, was he quite well known at the time for doing like Jerry Anderson stuff, or was that later? He, he became quite a um, uh, he became quite a famous sort of um, for doing voices. I think I think it was for Jerry Anderson anyway. Yeah, but yeah. I thought yeah. he was he did a good. There was enough difference between the two for me not to guess it was the same person. Right. Yeah. So this would have been around that same time, dude. So he would have been yeah. doing things with Thunderbirds, and that was the mid sixties, and yeah. Uh, maybe shortly before that maybe something like that but yeah around that time yeah yeah no he's very cool i thought he was good i thought he was good um actually talking of that scene where the doctor confronts him and knows that he's playing up mm. knows it's not him there's that there's one scene but just before that scene actually before they start talking to each other which for the the standards of classic who was absolutely beautiful to watch. Mm. So there's a bit where the Doctor's already in the chamber and you see Coquillian walking into the chamber and it takes about 30 seconds. It's quite a long shot. Mm. And the music, the music from um, Tristram Carey plays 
really eerie kind of music. Yeah, foreboding, yeah. Yeah, and the, the camera's placed up high and it pans down slowly as this music's playing and Coquillian, and it's, and it's lit perfectly. It's dark and mm. with light just on the right bit as Coquillian's walking. I'm getting goosebumps, mate, talking about it because mm. we've spoken about so many stories, even up to McCoy's era, where we just say, like, oh, this is really static. You know, there's, it's really static. The camera doesn't move. Nothing happens. If Christopher Barry can manage this in 1965 with a budget of around £12, there's yeah. no reason why any any story from that point onwards couldn't do it. It gives me goosebumps, dude. Every mm-hmm. I say every time. This is only second I've watched it. But it was just... I watched it and I thought... I actually said out loud, that looks effing awesome. Mm. And then that intensifies as the Doctor's clocked who he is and there's no scooby-doo moment you know there's no sort of tussle when he runs off and he tries to deny it and at the end of the story they take the mask off and i would have got away with it if it wasn't for you meddling kids there's none of that ridiculousness going on he just does it he just takes the mask off takes the costume off and it's all cards on the table and that's when the doctor gets you know starts to throw him about a bit and yeah and those other those two other dudes turn up but it's just a great great little 10 minutes of the episode dude it's oh i, I just love that I'm, I'm gonna watch it on youtube i think after this because it's it's a uh, beautiful know, moment yeah i know exactly what you mean yeah because the set's very simple but it's so atmospheric isn't it it's you know got the dry eyes going and just the long they made it probably look a lot longer than it is and it just yeah they kept it simple and it's just the like you said it's the way it's shot because what i love about it is this is what i mean about Hartnell just commanding the screen he's just stood there with his back to coquillian but you can see in his face He's figured it out and he's ready to confront him. He's just he's just going to stand there and let him walk up to him and turn around and then it's going to kick off. And it's that, isn't it? That's the moment you mean, isn't it? It's just yeah. it's all yeah. it's all there in that in that shot of like, oh, here we go. Here we go. This is all going to kick off now. The doctor's figured it out. Um, yeah, it's, it is great. And like you said, direction, great music, absolutely on point for that scene. And the, and the set itself, nice and simple, but looks brilliant. So yeah, I absolutely get what you're saying about that. I, I felt the same. I thought, you know, just, uh, yeah, I just thought like for a little simplicity part of it, they've, they've made a lot of effort in this. It's re- everything seems to be working well. Mm, yeah, yeah. It's amazing. That bit listener, if you've not watched, you need to watch this one for that scene alone. Mm. it's one of it's a great Hartnell great Hartnell bit that so what do you think to Inner Barbara then because I'm guessing we're going to be fairly consistent with the other stories we've reviewed from the Hartnell mm-hmm. era with them too but just uh, it's like being back at home with a cup of tea watching those two because sometimes you get the feeling with some I don't know what it is but with some companions in modern Doctor Who you get the feeling that they've either been written a certain way once their character has been established and you think, okay, because how many times have we mentioned, oh, Rose isn't annoying in that one, but she's good in that one. Yeah. And that yeah. sort of thing. And Clara like, oh, she's okay in that one, but for some reason she's been written weird in that one. With the classic companions, especially people like Jamie, um, now Vicky, but definitely Ian and Barbara, um, they just have a real consistency to them. Like every time that you go back and like when we put our schedule together and we go back and watch some of these classic ones from, from Hartnell and Troutnell's era, it's like, I know exactly 100% what I'm going to get from, mm. from those two. And it's such a delight watching them together because they know each other. They, 
know each other's minds almost you know the interactions between them just seems so effortless and so seamless as they're talking between themselves i love watching those those two and it's it's gutting you know when we don't see them anymore because they've just got such a great mix of of really i I can't it's a bit of a love letter to them i guess gushing a little bit but i don't know about you bud but i just love watching those two and the doctor together they're so good yeah no I, I, I totally agree I think that's the thing there is something about Ina Barbara they're so likeable and they whenever like you said I love spending time with them it's like you've just said it, it's just I love watching them um, they take me back to a sort of simpler time when I don't know there's just something about you know their characters which is so sort of simplistic if you like and lovable um, and I love the progression as well because you know, at this point, they've got to know the Doctor. He's even, like, showing Barbara how to work the TARDIS. There's that lovely scene where he's, like, shows how to open the door or something, just something really simple. And he's like, you won't do that in flight, will you? And all this sort of thing. And, you know, if you if you compare that to when they first meet him, when he's electrocuting Ian on the TARDIS console, you know, it's a, I, I love the progression in the writing. So, like you said, the, the characters have stayed the same. They're these warm, caring characters, you know, that, that, that have grown to get to know the doctor and the doctor's got to know them and there's a real trust between the three characters at this point compared to where they started and i mean the difference in arnold's doctor as well in terms of progression where he's you know going mad because people have entered the tardis in an earthly child and at this point he's actually he's grown to see this this all right you know this can work and he's at this point he's actually inviting somebody to join the TARDIS so that you know it's it's great progression that he's traveled with Ian and Barbara he's got to see that you know it's not always a bad thing he can allow people in and he's actually going to invite Vicky to join them you know so it's it's a great progression from where we were in uh, the, the beginning with an earthly child but yeah they're great characters aren't they just they care for the doctor so much as well you know they um <laughs> They've just, yeah, they've just got to know his little quirks and they know he'll have his little tantrums, but underneath it all, he's a, he, you know, he's a good guy and yeah, but they are great characters. And I, I think the only way I can sum it up is what you said. I love spending time with them. I just love, love seeing them on screen and watching them. Yeah, it's great, isn't it? And yeah. um yeah, that's another good, another good little sort of turning point for the series, I guess, from, uh, that comes out of this story. And it's, it is the first time that the doctor asks somebody willingly you know to come and travel with them and and do all mm. that stuff you know and i guess that sort of set the precedent then for the series moving forward it's always been that you normally see it don't you with regens or you know when a new actor comes in as a companion whatever we always have inevitably a scene of some sort where the doctor invites them to come and travel and and all that point so that really stems from this from this story onwards because like you said, he was very he was very grumpy prior to that about people even getting near the TARDIS or let alone going into it. So it's very cool. Yeah. Um, oh, sorry, I was God, just it. looking to see when they, because I, I get lost in the timeline, I was just looking to see when Ian and Barbara, when do they leave? Because, I mean, there is a lot of change behind the scenes at this point, which is going to affect Hartnell in terms of his personal relationship with the show. I mean, because it, it doesn't doesn't Verity leave around Web Planet? So I'm not sure. I'm getting confused now. But I think, you know, obviously Caroline Ford's left and, and uh, William Hartnell was very, you know, desperately sad to see her go. He really didn't want her to leave. Um, and then I think when William Russell and... Um, Barbara, sorry, I've forgotten her name. Um, 
when they leave, he was, you know, really upset. He was furious. So William Russell says, Jacqueline Hill, he said, you know, when we decided to leave, Bill was, he just didn't want that to happen at all. You know, didn't he wanted to keep it as the family, you know, keep it together. He was furious that they wanted to leave. And um, yeah. you know, because he yeah. didn't want the family to break up. And you so say you've got Caroline's already left. And then, and then obviously um, Verity Lambert, who we got on very well with behind the scenes. And then William and Jacqueline, when they finally leave as well, you know, but at this point you feel that family atmosphere. You feel like they've almost taken Hartnell's doctor under their wing as well. So although he likes to think he's out front <laughs> sort of doing it all, uh, if he hasn't got Ian and Barbara there to, to, to have his back, he's, you know, he'd probably be in a lot more trouble. They do sort of look after each other well, I think. So there is a family feel to the three of them, I think. There is definitely. Yeah. It's, yeah. um, uh, the chase is their last, uh, their last story, isn't it, yeah. dude? Yeah, they go on to yeah. be replaced with. Uh, it will, yeah, it will be Peter Purvis, won't it? And, and how, many, else. how many stories yeah. is that in front? So, right, so, so after yeah. this, you have got the Romans, Web Planet, Crusade, Space Museum, and Chase. Okay, so they're still with him for a few more stories yet. So, mm. which is probably a good thing because um, I might be wrong, but I think wasn't it around Web Planet that Verity Lambert left? I'm only saying that because I'm thinking of Adventure in Space and Time when you get the scene. The leaving party, and I'm pretty sure, but I don't know how accurate that is. Anyway, yeah, so it's, there's changes behind the scenes at this point, obviously, because we're, you know, a couple of series into the show. So, yeah, obviously yeah. things are changing, but mm-hmm. yeah. but and Bill just wants good. it to stay the same. <laughs> we <laughs> he do. Just yeah. wants everything to stay the same, which is, you know, you kind of we all feel like that at times. Yeah, yeah. you've got to keep moving. Yeah, change is yeah. good. Anyway, so. I think the cast is so small. We've spoken about them. Mm. <laughs> so um, the only other two uh, people that are in it that you actually see, because you hear people on the radio from from the rescue ship, you hear them yeah. talking and so on. But the only other two people are the Didonians who turn up at the end uh, to slap up old uh, old Barrett. Uh, Bennett, sorry. Uh, <laughs> Wreck the ship, yeah. But they're uncredited. So that's John Stewart and Colin Hughes. They were just two extras that have no lines in the in the program so that's it really dude there's nothing else going on the only other thing we should talk about the really really important character is old space doggy that gets shot by by barbara oh poor old sandy Uh, actually i feel more sorry for jacqueline hill in that scene than i do for poor sandy because in the making of they slow down you know when she fires the gun (laughs) you're talking about special effects earlier that prop I mean, yeah. you can see it when you watch it. It sort of blows up in her face. And they said, actually, if you if you show, slow it down, it actually did blow up in her face. And it was quite scary. You know, it, I don't know if it actually burnt her. I'm not sure, but it was quite scary at the time. But yeah, you can see that poor old Jacqueline Neal. Her face says it all as well. She looks shocked by the yeah, explosion yeah. that comes out of it. And the end of the gun kind of just falls off as well. It doesn't even seem to go off right, does it? <laughs> Obviously, no time for retakes back then. It's just, that's, that's fine. Yeah. That'll do poor old Jacqueline Hill with a you know smoke all over her face and yeah but you can yeah you can kind of see that but yes obviously poor old Sandy the oh, beast Sandy. sand beast gets yeah. um, blown to pieces bit of a shame yeah yeah but uh, Tom Sheridan played the sand beast you can see it's a guy in a suit when he yeah. gets killed and he's rolled around you can see his legs moving and whatnot. but mm-hmm. old Doctor Who charm but yeah that's such a cool moment because Barbara obviously thinks that she's in danger from this snarling you know growling you know beast and uh, she yeah basically blows it up and then and then vicky's <laughs> like what are you doing what are you doing that's you know i trained that this year only coming out for food and oh bless her 
Here's a funny. Actually, I did. I did think Barbara seemed a bit. I mean, she has just killed uh, Vicky's pet, and she, although she does say sorry, she doesn't seem that remorseful. <laughs> like I don't blame Vicky for getting angry about that. I think she has every right to be angry. But then Vicky ends up apologising to Barbara, doesn't she? And you yes, know, but I love that yeah. bit where the doctor turks around and says, you know, Barbara's not a bad person. You've got to get to know her and all that. It's a lovely scene that is. But but um, but I don't blame Vicky for being angry. She just just has her pet. Mm. shot to pieces yeah. um so i think barbara should have been a little bit more i'm really sorry and um, and i think there was a sort of underlying message there that they don't really delve into but they're sort of barbara seems to if anything's scary in this she she's a bit judgmental she'll just try and kill it or run away from it like the coquillion he's at the start he's like i'm trying to help you and she's so scared of it she she falls off the rock oh she falls um, off. So, there's, <laughs> <laughs> so i think they're trying to say you know don't judge a book by its cover just because it looks scary it might not be uh so i hope barbara <laughs> learns from that <laughs> i must admit i did have a little chuckle at that bit when she yeah. pulls up because what i had in my yeah. head was you remember the old the old roadrunner and cody cartoons and you know when he falls <laughs> yeah. off a cliff and he just you know he got that sound effect like and then like a big yeah. ring of smoke comes out when he hits because <laughs> her fall seems to go on for a little while and you do hear that sort of as she screams on the way down, you can... Because yeah. I thought, well, the way that they've made that come across, I instantly thought, well, that's that's the end of Barbara. Mm. Because it, it sounds like she's yeah, just she fallen... saved by a big bouffant hair. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it feels like she's fallen about 500 feet. And, uh, yeah, and then you see her, she's just, you know, all her clothes are intact, all her hair's fine, everything. She's just got a twig. A twig, <laughs> yeah, it's just what I noticed that, just one twig. <laughs> oh, bless her. But that was funny. But yeah, old Barbara, she is a bit like, you know, shoot first, you know, kind of apologise later. That's all good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, um, okay, right. I've got nothing else on my notes, dude, other than, as I mentioned, uh, Tristram carries music. It's a bit minimal throughout this one. It doesn't kick in too many times. But when it does, it's uh, it's got a nice atmospheric sort of eerie feel to it. So nothing stand out, but has some lovely little moments music-wise. Yeah, no, I, I haven't really got anything else to say. I think my, my first note was that it had a the whole thing, like the, the sets, the rocket, and, and the style of it, has this real classic sort of almost flash 60s Flash Gordon feel about it. Um, but uh, yeah, I haven't really got anything else uh, to say, I don't think, on this one. Cool. Okie dokie. Scores then. It's you to go first, bud. Yeah, now I'm, I'm going to go over 7 out of 10, uh, which might sound a bit low considering how much I said I enjoyed this, but it, I don't think I can go any higher than that because... It is just a little simple two-parter to introduce Vicky. It's a simple little story. It's nothing amazing, but it's very, very enjoyable. Um, so I hope that doesn't sound too low because I really did like this one. And I might up it if you're high. I'm not sure. What What are you going for? Well, I'm going to go with a 7.5, actually, bud. All right, I'm going to go with 7.5 then. Go on. Because I did really enjoy <laughs> it. And I thought when I wrote it, 7.5 sounds, uh, 7 sounds low, but... It's not amazing, is it? It's not one you'd say to people, oh, you've, you've got to watch The Rescue. It's absolutely amazing. And, but it is just a really good little two-parter. So let's go with 7.5. Yeah, it's a good solid watch, dude. Yeah, It is, yeah. yeah. And like you said, it's not, it's not like a big recommended story that you would throw to people if they want to get into the Hartnell era. It's just a, when you come across it, it will be a good one for you to watch throughout series two. Yeah. Do you think it's a good one if people said, oh, I haven't watched any Hartnell, what, what what story is he good in? Would you say this one's a good one for anyone that hasn't watched a Hartnell? 
I would actually, yeah. I would. Because he is good at it, isn't yeah. he? You In know. terms of like epic story and things that impact the characters, no. But as a as a yeah, I guess as a dipping your toe in the water, a nice intro to the Hartnell era, then yeah, defo. Yeah, because he's got some good moments, isn't he, in this mm-hmm. one? Yeah. Yes. Right. What did our listeners think after a 7.5 from us? Then over on Twitter, we had Chippy T says, conceptually, this is a great idea, and a new Who version would be excellent. Despite mm-hmm. Daleks, the monsters, a fake doctor and companions new and old, it's an episode too long to truly top draw to be top draw farewell to the brilliant ian and barbara much missed eight from me Uh, yeah writer jordan shortman says i really like this one maureen o'brien instantly wins you over and it's not hard to see why she became the new companion hartnell russell and king continue to be on top form and the story is uh, rightly lighter in tone after the dalek invasion of earth good harmless Mm. fun will sanger says it's a very good introduction for vicky the story presents her pain having been entrapped well and her joining the tardis feels very natural the twist with coquillian works effectively but i do think there is too much venturing through caves seven out mm-hmm. of ten uh, okay. edward gillooly uh, a good introductory story for vicky which at two episodes doesn't drag coquillian looks really good seven out of ten and lastly, Jacob Moore says, fun little story that introduces a new companion. Well, really liked Vicky. She seemed the perfect replacement to Susan. Also really liked Ian in this one. A six out of ten. Sweet. And over on Facebook, Jeff Waddle says, uh, not a lot of story. And who, Cockaleeky is painful, obvious from very on. Very, I remember they called him that. Ian calls him yeah. Cockaleeky, I think. Uh, but somehow we get an entertaining wee story that doesn't outstay its welcome. The Doctor instantly bonds with Vicky in a way that he seldom did with Susan. And it's really the template for all new companion introductions for decades to come. Poor Sandy, who is woefully due in return in Big Finish. <laughs> <laughs> An eight out of ten. Joseph Howarth. Other than the fact it is a story that introduces, there really isn't a lot going on. But does it mean it's bad? Not really. The regulars are really good. Introduces Vicky really well. Coquillian looks really cool, even if you could tell it's actually Bennett posing as Coquillian. The fact that they are never in the same room as each other kind of gives that away. I guess the problem Mm. is that it's short as a short. It gives an interesting premise and then ends very quickly as a result. So it's a story that I wouldn't come back to again and again. But in the end, it's worth a watch. A seven okay lewis palmer justice for sandy that dino lad was innocent i tell you uh it just says real fun stuff all around toby coleman first watched this one recently and loved it it's a simple introduction to vicky and the established regulars were great as well the monster looks pretty good for a guy in a suit the only downside it is it does wrap up rather quickly 7.5 okay uh charlie turner pretty decent two-parter is somewhat forgettable i can only remember that it introduces vicky with the rumors going around that season two is in the works for the collection blu-ray range i may give it another try if that box set does indeed get made and released even if i do currently wonder what they are going to do for the missing episodes of the crusade Uh, but goes on to give it a seven out of ten and lastly mark donaldson one of our writers Mm -hmm. says this is quietly the most important Doctor Doctor Who story up to this point. It's the first time that the Doctor actively invites somebody aboard the TARDIS that Hartnell plays with such charm and real twinkle. He obviously sees a surrogate granddaughter in Vicky and the welcoming TARDIS atmosphere offered to the space orphan is a testament to just how far the Doctor, Ian and Barbara have come. I bloody love it. Cool. Yeah, good stuff, Mark. Right, so... 
some actually decent scores for this one, but I think the average is a 7, 7.5, which is good. Um, next week, then, what are we reviewing then? Yeah, so we'll be back to Torture Miracle Day next week. Uh, this is episode three now, isn't it? And it's called Dead of Night. Interesting title. Let's hope this one's picking up a bit from last week, eh? Yeah, it needs to. Needs to pick up a bit. Yeah, indeedy. Okay, cool. On that note, then, let's wrap up there, dude, for episode... For Three, episode five, 300 and something. What are we on now? 54. 354. <laughs> That's the one. Thank you, thank you, thank you for coming back and listening to another episode. Dear Doctor Who listener, it's been great to have you here. As always, listening to us waffle on about Doctor Who. Really good story, that one. The Rescue, go and check that out if you've not watched it yet. And we gave it a 7.5. Next week, as Adam said, we're back onto Torchwood to get through Miracle Day. And it is the third ep, Dead of Night. So uh, get your DVDs or Blu-rays out. Or uh, Torchwood is still on iPlayer here in the UK. So uh, just fire that up and give that a watch because we'll be asking for your thoughts and reviews as always. In the meantime, make sure you're following or subscribing to this podcast on your fave podcast app. We put a new episode out every Friday, so you won't want to miss those. And you can also listen on the website, bigblueboxpodcast.co.uk. All the apps are on there for free as well. We're on the socials, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Just give us a like and a follow. We chat Doctor Who throughout the week, and we have a free Discord server. Link is on the website. Hop in there and chat Doctor Who with lots of other Who fans. Also, remember to check out Adam's channel over on YouTube. It is, of course, The Geek's Handbag. Geek's Handbag, yes. Lots of YouTube vids. Also on all the socials, Instagram, Twitter, and the old Facebook. Ye old Facebook, yep. Ye old Facebook, yeah. Lovely. Go and check out Adam's videos. Loads of cool stuff. Grab a cup of tea, get comfy, and enjoy all of that stuff. It's very cool. Until next week for episode 355, my name's Gary. My name's Adam. And remember... Hey. Hey.